Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Today on the Focus on Why podcast, I am joined by Diana Theodoris. Welcome. Thank you, Amy. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, it's my pleasure to have you on the show because we are going to be exploring performance, performing as you. Is that right? That's right. There's only one of you. (laughs) So why don't you just sort of take us into what that actually means, performing as you? Well, It starts with that wonderful quote from Shakespeare that we've probably all seen in different places or we we remember from our school days. If all the world's a stage, then I go on to say, then the greatest role you will ever get to play in this world, in this life, is you. And I am talking about bringing your fullest self forward into the world and investing in your own gifts and connecting to yourself powerfully and showing up in your total aliveness. That's what I'm talking about when I say perform as you, authentically and uniquely. So why do people not bring their fullest self to the stage? Well, they bring their fullest selves to many performance stages. When we think about performance in any context, whether it's theater or the arts or sports, um, we witness people who are doing just that. They are committing and investing completely in that performance. And yet in the business world, when we transfer that to the business stage with business leaders and executives, of course, there is a culture in organizations which say, this is the way we do things around here. And we build up an organizational conformity, which is not a bad thing. It's very efficient. And it's usually aligned to the particular needs of that organization. But over time, we start damping ourselves down. And that notion of not being able to bring more of who we are in our outside life, in that integrated whole way, into the workplace, into the organization, that dynamic self is often left behind and we we put on a bit of a corporate mask. So in the business world and the business stage, I'm talking about bringing more of your glorious assets as a human being that give you your passion and energy, bringing that to the table, showing up more fully. And what does a corporate mask look like? <laughs> well, you know, it's, it has many, many guises. Uh, so when I'm coaching business leaders, no matter how senior they are, I often hear things like, well, We do PowerPoint presentations in this way. 
we work with X number of slides, and on each slide is X amount of data, uh, for instance. And the question then is, why on earth are we doing it this way? It's not really serving our communication very well. Or it might be a situation about uh, how we dress. So I've worked with quite a few <laughs> law partners who tell me they absolutely feel um, great anxiety if they step out of a particular way of dressing, which says, I belong to this tribe. It's a very particular way. Um, it might be something about not daring to speak up or speak out about something because it's simply too controversial. So it could look like obedience. It could look like simply not daring to create your own template for leadership and daring to do things a little differently that you know would serve your organization or your team or your meetings better. So the corporate mask can be many things, but the biggest one is damping down all of your emotion and expressivity. Uh, so we start to listen to presentations or pitches or bullet point speaking or people going into meetings just focusing on the agenda and we're damp damping ourselves down and staying in a very narrow bandwidth of our energy range and our expression range. And I get, I get to hear about that an awful lot. So are you saying that people are almost leaving their feelings at the door of a conference room? I think, I think there has been a perpetuated myth for many, many years in corporate culture, which we all have heard, which is leave your personal life at the door. You know, and it's and of course there's a very good reason for that. We're not we're not expecting nor wanting meltdowns and emotional downloads all over the workplace. But that has become, I think, misinterpreted into a kind of one size fits all rule, which says we don't show up in our full humanity. We put on a persona, which we call professional. And if you notice, you'll even hear a very different tone of voice when people are presenting. They go into presentation speak, or if they're leading a global phone call, a conference call, they take on a very particular stance. So it's just looking at how that story of separating who you are in your life from who you are in your professional world, that has become a bit of a, uh, of a split. And I think so many leaders are seeking holistic, integrated, authentic selves. They say over and over again, you know, I'm very successful and I love what I do and I really believe in the vision of where we're going and what I'm trying to do, but I wish that I could feel more like me. I wish that I could be more me when I'm in my organization and when I'm leading. And you talked about daring to be different. Who's going to make that first step? Well, I think all of us have within us what I would call our inner revolutionary. I think we have the capacity to just take that first step. Um, you know, I, I grew up in the days of, you know, huge women's liberation movement and Gloria Steinem was one of my, not mentors, but certainly someone who was in my radar. And I remember her great 
quote, which was, you know, feel the fear and do it anyway, which then became a big personal development mantra. Um, but I think we, we fear, we fear very often taking that first step, even if it's a very small one. Um, and yet when we do take a step in, in any direction that is important to us, we then look back and go, what took me so long to do that? We can't anticipate what's going to come from that. But in the business world, you know, just daring to do something a little differently because you know it serves others better, what a wonderful thing to be able to do. It doesn't have to be epic. It could be a very small thing like starting a meeting in a different way or listening a little bit longer before interrupting so that more creative ideas might flow in the space or sharing a personal story and having other people share a personal story to bring their humanity together a little bit more. It could be so many different things. Calling out an unconscious bias when it's blatant and when it's really holding something up or having that courageous conversation. There are so many things we could call a moment of courage. And the question really could be, do I dare to do this one thing? And more importantly, what's the consequence of not doing it? That might be another way to think about it. So what I'm hearing here is that you've got a difficult decision to make, or even people aren't consciously aware that they are doing this. They're sort of going with the daily motions of this is how it's always been done. Let's just keep on doing it. So it's a point of challenging. Does this actually service anymore? Is this working? Yeah, it's, it's, that's exactly what it is. You know, and it's really about what is the story that we're telling ourselves? What's the story I'm telling myself? And if I actually stop and consciously and intentionally reflect on that story, I'll often find, we often find, the story's out of date and the story is no longer serving us. And what's the new story that's a much more accurate and potent one that could replace that story, that could help ourselves as individuals could help our teams, could help our organizations. So story, how we think about the story, how we tell ourselves things, how we identify ourselves, how we often pigeonhole ourselves um, and the way we do things is a story. It's all a story. You, know, you could always ask, who makes the rules here? How did that come into being? Because organizations are created around the creation of a story. Yeah. It's interesting because I, I, I'm, I talk about this a lot and I say, what is your why? What is your story? Your story is your why and your why is your story. They are the one and the same. So explain to us, what is your why? <laughs> My why is why does great performance that gives us such powerful, inspirational, galvanizing energy, how, why does that great performance serve us? What does it give us as human beings? And my quest, if you like, throughout my life has been around that question. What does great performance give us as human beings and how do we take 
that inspirational energy and use that to bring us forward in this world and to really make a difference with our own unique signature, our voices, our own personal humanity. And you know, it starts from a very particular point in time, just simply seeing great performances, growing up with great performances as a kid, just seeing everything, whether it was Broadway musicals, theater, ballet, operas, concerts, you know, you name it, we saw it. I grew up in New York City. And as a kid, that's what had an indelible impression. It was that moment when the audience erupts out of their seats in standing ovation. And that tribal energy of being so inspired and feeling more in every way, more possibility, more motivation, more courage, more optimism, more hope. You just felt more possible. And it's that more possible of great performance. That's my why. Why? And then what to do with it and how to bring that great gift to everybody. So when did you start on this mission? <laughs> well, I certainly, I mean, it began absolutely in the foundations where as a, as, a, um, as a kid growing up, having that experience, which was so indelible, then going into a world of the arts, one, because I was inspired as an audience. Secondly, because my father, out of the blue, said to me one day when I was an adolescent over breakfast, having pancakes, I think, he said, have you heard of Martha Graham? And I said, no, pass the maple syrup. I didn't know what he was talking about. And he said, it's about time you did. And he had obviously been very inspired by a performance he had seen. And he promptly brought me to the Martha Graham School where I was enrolled and started dancing. So then I began the experiential part of actually dancing and performing and being in that world, which then led to many other things, directing and choreography. Um, and the third part of that story was um, working as a dance writer. Um, and for many years, I was fascinated by being an advocate for the arts through writing, capturing the thrill of performance, especially in dance, as it flies past you, this great physical explosion of poetry in motion and capturing it in words. So when I think about those three pillars, witnessing great performance as an audience, um, experiencing great performance as a director, and then advocating for great performance as a writer, those three things have really led me to this lifetime of pursuit of what can great performance give us? And that eventually led to a reinvention after many years of being in the arts to transferring that to the corporate world. And that very simply came about by attending a conference in 2003 that was called Arts and Business. It was in the UK. And I had this magnificent light bulb moment. It talked about the meeting ground between arts and business. And I thought, ah, that's right. The business world needs what I can do, what I can bring. And so many things about creativity and performance. So I, along with a colleague, got a grant 
and started up the company Theater for Business and started just exploring with different clients. You know, we were like plumbers, no job too big or too small. We did everything, you know, you name it. We just told everybody about this great idea of working with clients in the corporate world and helping them, you know, starting off with very obvious things like giving better presentations or team building or any of those dynamic things that we could bring the lens of theater and performance into that world. But then eventually I trained deeply as a coach and, um, and continue to write and continue to coach and to speak. And my practice now is, as I see it, a very organic bridge between the sacred space of the rehearsal room in the theater where you are bringing a performer to their best performance. That's the job of the director and getting them to powerfully connect with their role. And what I call the transformational space of the coaching room, which is absolutely organically linked. It's, it's supporting someone on their journey into their best performance as a leader, as a human being, as a team player, as an executive, and to really help them to find their, their true voice, their boldest presence, and their absolute sense of authentic wholeness. And it's a very powerful, brilliant moment. And I now think that I have the best job on the planet. <laughs> That's wonderful. And, and what I hear is that you're talking about the authentic wholeness, but you're also talking about a sense of belonging and that need to belong. So it is sort of almost at a a juxtaposition because it's it's sort of you want to stand out but you also want to feel like you are part of your tribe how does that work that is such a fantastic question um you know listening to your question actually just made me think of something very very deeply personal which is i think because i'm an expat and i've lived literally all over the world I actually think I have been on a personal quest for belonging all my life, really trying to understand where is home, where do I belong? And the one place that I've always felt I belong is whenever I'm able to work in collaboration with other creative kindred spirits in whatever capacity that might be. So whether it's preparing a leadership program with a colleague, or working with a group of people from an organization to create something, um, doing what we're doing right now, having this wonderful dialogue with someone like you who really gets it. Um, and I think people in the business world absolutely have that same experience. They belong to an organization which is a world. That world has a vision. That world has its own values. That world has, their, has a message and an offering. And they have to make choices. Do I believe in the message? Do I feel aligned with the values of this place? Do I feel that I could make a real impact on the life of this organization, the well-being of this organization? I want to thrive as a human being I want to feel meaning and purpose in what I do. So that's a huge call for belonging. 
And then within that, how do I show up at my best in that place? So you've got a, a real passion and it's a, a huge driver, your why, because of its sort of intrinsic link of how you can harness it. You, you know, you're, you're literally exploding with this energy. When you're working with a company, what do they see as a result of the work that they do with you? Well, I feel very proud, um, really proud to be able to say, and I'm going to try and role model this a little bit because I'm always, I'm always advocating to my own clients, you know, claim the I, you know, give yourself a moment to feel proud of something that, you, that you've achieved or a success. And I do feel genuinely proud of my capacity to what I would say, release people's creativity, to get them to really shine, to feel a fire in their belly, to feel a sense of value about themselves and their own stories, and to really witness those wonderful moments of revelation or epiphany or a small aha, or a moment of real shift where someone says, you know, I have surprised and surpassed myself. I didn't think I could do that. I didn't think that I could reconnect to the voice that loved to read poetry once upon a time and find that in myself again and make new sense of the business messages that I'm delivering. Or I didn't think I had the courage to speak up first in a meeting or to speak to more senior people. Or I've just told a story for the first time in my organization and it's made such a difference in how people have understood a message that I'm trying to get buy-in for. So there are so many ways in which I feel proud of contributing in my way to someone's transformation, to someone's sense of a bigger self. And you're talking about transformation and the, the courage that people are using to tell their stories and that they are becoming more connected, that there has been a disconnection. Why don't people see that themselves? They're just too damn busy. I, you know, we just go every day. Just think about it. From the moment we get up in the morning, it's like, uh, uh, it's like the clapboard in the film and action and we're off. And, you know, there's just so much to do. So people have their routines, you know, and once they're in the world of work, no matter how well-intended, mostly it is rushing from meeting to meeting, very little space in between to clear out, to actually pause, to take that deep breath and to ask the question, why? Why are we going into this next meeting? What's it for? What's the purpose? What do I want to achieve? All of these wonderful moments of clarity and connection are very often simply not um, given the time. They're just, not, you know, people start to take things for granted, to rush past things, to rush over things. And so we become habitual. We get into our default zone, which is very efficient because that's what keeps us going but it's not an inspirational zone and it's certainly not the most impactful 
it's certainly not our best performance zone where we are bringing the best of ourselves forward in our true, you know, really being present and creating maximum engagement for ourselves and for others. So that, um, so that question, you know, why don't people get it? <laughs> they have often forgotten parts of themselves. We all have forgotten parts of ourselves. And that's all. It's all there in our life. So whether it used to be that we played the piano or sketched or did something that we loved and haven't done it for a long time, there's always a moment where we realize, oh, I, I want to reconnect to that creative core in myself or that passion. I want to feel that, uh, that sense again, that part of myself that's simply gone dormant because I haven't had time. And parts of us fall away for a while and then we reclaim them again. So I think that's really as simple as it is. And there's a moment when people do reclaim parts that have gone dormant. And that's really all learning ever is, as Doris Lessing says. It's knowing what we've always known, but seeing it again with fresh eyes as if for the first time. And when we just take some time to stop and breathe, <laughs> And often with the help of a coach, we can reconnect to ourselves in a, in a deeper, more powerful way. And that makes us a lot more confident and more courageous and healthier. So take yourself back to that breakfast with your pancakes and your maple syrup. What if your father hadn't have mentioned that school? <laughs> oh, that's a wonderful question. I think when I when I look back and if I run the movie of myself in my mind's eye as a as a little girl or as a young girl, I think one of the interestingly enough, although the world of performance is so extrovert and I loved all that, you know, and longed to be a star of the musical theater or something like that, I often spent hours and hours in my own room, just immersed in writing stories and creating my own little radio shows in my room. So I think if I hadn't gone into the external drive of theater and performance and dance, I would have probably just um, either, maybe, maybe gone into radio, been a DJ or a novelist. <laughs> and is there still potential for that? <laughs> well, you, you can see, I, as you can hear, I love to talk. So. <laughs> Maybe there's a future for me in radio. Uh, as for the best-selling novel, well, heck, I'll give it a go if there's time. <laughs> well, is it a matter of time or is it a matter of priority? <laughs> I think right now, you know, I think I think a lot of people will understand what I'm saying here. I think when you, so the book that I wrote, Performing as You, is a book from the heart. It really is. I don't think of it as strictly a business book. I think of it as something an offering to my clients and to people everywhere about, about connecting to themselves. And once you've had that experience of writing something and completing it, you realize, oh, there's so much more to say about that. So right now, I think if I look at that book and look at each chapter, there's a whole other book or a deeper dive to take. So I think I'd like to do more on that um, and then I see myself, you know, on some in some lovely adobe house in New Mexico on the prairie writing a novel. <laughs>
Sounds wonderful. And it, it does all go back to that one question, why? I heard once someone saying this, this could be your life, busy, 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 dead. Well, yeah, I, I don't want that to be my life. I want it to be full of wonderful experiences. And as you said earlier, it's about stopping, slowing, slowing down to actually really evaluate what's happening and what you're doing. So at what point do you have those breakthroughs with your clients? Um, this is really interesting. Faster and sooner than you would ever imagine. And I think it's for one particular reason. Um, I think it's because normally, if we weren't in COVID, I would be working live in the room. And we do a lot of playing. And what I mean by that is playing with a purpose, you know, just a lot of physical movement, voice work, breath work, improvisational work. We play a lot in order to release that energy in ourselves, that energy that says, I can do this. You know, it's that kind of courageous energy that comes when you play. Because if you think back to when you were a child, you had that incredible indomitable spirit of, I can be anything, I can do anything. You had incredible self-belief. And we come back to that moment when we play. So even if you think about a corporate event, you know, those icebreakers where everyone has to do something wacky and left field and there's a lot of laughter. You know, the reason for that, that moment of playing is because it releases something in our humanity that overrides the think switch and it allows us to just liberate ourselves. And in that moment of being liberated, we are so much more willing to explore. And so the coaching work I do is basically an invitation into their very own personal rehearsal room where we explore and discover and then we apply what we've learned to the business world, to their own lived reality. But first, we release. And I think in that moment of release, whether it's hearing your voice differently, feeling your breath operating differently, opening your body and being more receptive, all of these things start to allow learning to happen much faster. It's an embodied experience. I'm trying to capture it on Zoom now, online, as much as possible. And of course, you can create profoundly deep experiences, but it's not a completely embodied one. It's a different one. And I think that's a really nice sort of image that you conjure of everybody has their own rehearsal room. So I'm thinking, okay, so what could I be doing in my own rehearsal room to improve on showing my full authentic self? Are there any sort of tricks or tips that you could recommend? Yeah, I think one, I think one of the most profound ones and the simplest one, are, are, one is just articulate out loud every now and again, why does this matter to me, this thing I'm doing? So if I'm about to go on a global Zoom with a bunch of people, you know, what do I want to happen today? as a result of having this meeting, or why is this meeting important to me? And actually saying it out loud, because it's when your, your words hit the airwaves that you hear back to yourself something that feels truthful or something that is really uncomfortable. So straight away, give yourself a little moment of, what am I about to do today and why does it matter? It could be one sentence and it's profoundly useful. 
The other thing is just take a moment to do a tiny little stop, breathe, visualize something. You know, who am I going to talk to today on Zoom? What's their story? How are they? You just try to do a little empathy visualization for just a moment, even if it's 60 seconds. Or just connect to yourself before you connect to the rest of the world. Huh. How do I feel today? What's, what's important to me today? What do I want to give and what do I want to get? It's just a simple intention. Boy, even that, a few seconds, can just shore you up and make such a difference. It does sound, you know, a couple of moments or a couple of minutes a day and it will make a difference, especially if you make it a habit, because then you'll start just asking that simple question, why? And it has a profound result. It does. And, you know, our imaginations are incredibly potent as well. So if you're feeling agitated or nervous or anxious, for instance, a wonderful thing is just just stop for a moment, close your eyes and just imagine a, a beautiful landscape that you feel completely at peace in. You know, beautiful, just let all your senses start to work. You know, what does it smell like? What does it feel like? Where are you? Just your imagination is portable. You can go there anytime and just take a moment to find your center. It's the greatest thing, but you just have to stop and do it. But it it's, a, it's such a powerful thing. And I, I just call it that take a moment. I love that your imagination is portable. Of course it is. Of course it is. It makes perfect sense. Well, Diana, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been incredible learning all about how theatre for business works. How would people get in contact with you? Well, absolutely. Um, my LinkedIn, they can direct message me on LinkedIn. So my link is, is with you. Um, they can contact me on my email, which is also with you on the website. That's really it. Just the, all the usual channels, uh, Theatre for Business, Facebook, any, any of those channels. But I like direct messaging most of all. So, you know, absolutely open to that and always love to have chats. Well, I'll make sure that all the links are in the show notes. So if anybody wants to get hold of Diana, just look in the show notes and all the links are going to be there. And don't forget, the book is available for, called Performing As You. So I'll put the link in the show notes for that as well. Fantastic. Uh, do you have a final word for us, Diana? Yes. I think the final word is from Walt Whitman, who says, you are large, you contain multitudes. And what I love about that is just play your whole range of you. You have so much to bring to the world and the world needs you. Thank you for listening to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please leave me a five-star Apple podcast review. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook and become a member of my inspiring, uplifting and positive Focus on Why Facebook group. I help people to focus on their why with clarity, uniting their passion with their purpose with a plan to create the life they truly desire. If you would like me to help you focus on your why, then please book a free 20-minute coaching call via candidly.com forward slash Amy Rowlandson. And if you haven't already, please sign up for the Friday Focus weekly newsletter via my website, amyrowlandson.com. 
Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.